Welcome to Light the Lamp here on Duck Stream, presented by Gettle. I am your host, Alexis Downey. Exciting news, Gettle is now the official HVAC partner of the Anaheim Ducks and the Honda Center. Keeping things cool on the ice and warm at home. Gettle, your trusted HVAC and plumbing partner. Visit gettle.com slash ducks for exclusive promotions. G-O-E-T-T-L, we make comfort easy to spell. Coast to coast, nonstop action. This is the premier source for National Hockey League news. Scores, highlights, and the Anaheim Ducks. It's time to light the lamp with Alexis Downey. Okay, now let's get to the show. The Anaheim Ducks are in the midst of a five-game homestand already done with the Arizona Coyotes, Vegas Golden Knights, and Pittsburgh Penguins. The only two teams left in this are the Philadelphia Flyers and the San Jose Sharks, both of those games happening this weekend. So let's go back and look at the last three games from this homestand so far. The latest, a loss to the Pittsburgh Penguins on Tuesday night. 2 nothing was the final there, snapping the Ducks six game win streak but not to worry six wins in the last seven games they are seven and five on the season right now with 14 points not so bad the ducks are starting the season pretty well in my opinion and man this team has been a third period team five third period comebacks on the season And they just seem to come alive at that point. If we go back to that game against the Penguins on Tuesday, yes, they did lose it. But those last 10 minutes of the third period, you really saw that fight that we continuously see in the third period. Ultimately, it wasn't enough. The Penguins getting the win. They actually got one of their goals on an empty netter. John Gibson had an outstanding game against the Penguins, which was great to see as he was able to make up for that last game since he did leave the first game in Pittsburgh after the first period and did not return to the rest of the game. One thing that I want to talk about in today's Light the Lamp is just how good our Anaheim Ducks young players are looking. Pavel Minchikov in particular on the defensive end. He is co-leading all rookies in the NHL with points right now at eight points. He's also co-leading in assist with seven so far. Just so impressed with him. I think I said it in last week's episode, but he continuously impresses me. And I mean, he's only getting more confident and comfortable on the ice and he's getting a lot of ice time as well. If you look at those numbers, Jackson Lacombe, another guy on the blue line who has been getting a lot of ice time playing on that top pairing with Cam Fowler so far on this season after he initially made the switch from playing with Radko Gudis to now Cam Fowler on that top end of the blue line. He was someone in college that was a really big scoring defenseman. So I think that's something that head coach Greg Cronin is still looking to see out of him. He only has three points on the season so far, but still plenty of time for him to get adjusted and maybe make some more offensive moves. Mason McTavish, not a rookie, but he is leading all NHL players 20 and under in points with 13 on the season. He's a plus four and he's also leading all NHL players 20 and under in goals as he has six of them on the season. A lot of those coming in big moments. One other area that has also impressed me 
as of late has just been the improvement on special teams. I mean, hats off to Newell Brown, who has been working tirelessly and it's paying off. Both the power play and the PK are 17th in the NHL. As I'm recording this today, that being Thursday, the power play is at 18.4% and the PK is 79.3%. These are really great numbers to see, especially early in the season. When you have that solid special teams play, it just plays a big factor into the game, especially, you know, getting down a man and having a player in the box, having that comfortability and knowing that your PK is going to keep pucks out of the zone and out of the net is certainly a good thing to have in the back of your mind. And also a good thing to have is strong goaltending. And that has been what we've seen from Lukas Dostal and John Gibson. As I mentioned a little bit ago, him playing in that Pittsburgh game through the last two games that he played in, that being Vegas and Pittsburgh, he has a 1.51 goals against average and a 9.55 save percentage. We're really seeing John Gibson back in regular form. He is an outstanding goaltender. And if you think about it in that Pittsburgh game, stopping 34 saves on 35 shots. And then the Vegas game, 30 saves on 32 shots. So all around some great news for the Ducks as they continue to improve and hopefully maybe they'll start a new win streak. That would be great to see. Like I said, the Philadelphia Flyers and San Jose Sharks, the last two teams as a part of this five-game homestand. Now on the injury side of things, just to give you guys an update if you haven't heard, Jamie Drysdale, Brock McGinn, both of them continuing to be day-to-day with lower body injuries. Jamie Drysdale has missed 10 games and McGinn has missed 12 games so far on the season. So hopefully we'll see those guys returning to the lineup soon. As we just saw Alex Kalorn finally making his Ducks debut, returning into the lineup. Great to see him on a veteran line with Adam Henrique and Jacob Silverberg. Also, I want to give a shout out to Steve Carroll and Emerson Eden because they have been making things so much fun on the pre and post game on Duckstream. Really enjoying getting to work with them every single game. And we really appreciate all the messages that we're getting on our new text line and everyone that has been taking part in our Duckstream Twitter polls for each game. If you haven't had a chance to check those out, we have three Twitter polls that go out each game, Twitter or X, however you want to call it. I'm sticking with Twitter because that's how I know it. That's what I grew up with. But three Twitter polls that go out, you can go and vote on. And we love to make it an interactive broadcast and include that in it. So you can listen to the broadcast and hear the results of that. Or if you send a text message, you can also hear your text read on the air. But now let's get to today's guest. AJ Malesko joined the show this week to talk about her journey in broadcasting professional hockey and the growth of women's hockey as well and her years playing and so much more. Just awesome to have her join the show. And I hope you guys enjoy this interview. Very excited to welcome on to Light the Lamp today, a first-time guest, AJ Malesko of the NHL on ESPN, uh, an analyst all around for hockey and professional hockey. AJ, so great to have you join us today. How's your week been going? 
It's good. Well, I live outside of Boston, so it's a little rainy and cold right now. And as everybody, we're dealing with the the lack of daylight with our daylight <laughs> savings. But I've actually been home all week, which is nice. I get to hang out with, I got four kids, uh, one in college, so three at home. So I'm on the road a fair amount with my job, as you mentioned. But um, this week I get to be home, which is sort of nice. With your family, I mean, do any of your kids play hockey? Did they get that bug from you? Uh, they did. And my son's actually behind the screen right now, raising his hand, my <laughs> 11 12 year old, he plays, um, actually all four of them played. My mm. oldest is in college. Um, she goes to Bowdoin college in Maine and she actually is playing lacrosse there, but she played high school, uh, hockey too. And then I've got a daughter who's a senior in high school who plays, uh, field hockey, hockey and lacrosse, but we'll play hockey at Boston college next year. She's a senior this year. Mm. And then I've got a son who is a sophomore, who plays right now football, hockey, and lacrosse. He's a goalie in hockey, which is just, I know, I don't know what I did to tick off the (laughs) four odds to be a hockey mom. And then my uh, youngest son plays a ton of sports. He's only in sixth grade. Um, And he's actually a lacrosse goalie. So Mm. can you believe it? I got two goalies out of four kids. It's really cruel, cruel and unusual punishment. (laughs) I was going to say, how did that happen? (laughs) I don't know, but they love it. So they're having Mm -hmm. fun and that's all that matters. How do you balance, you know, all these different sports, life as a mom, life uh, on air and all of that? You know, it's interesting. And I've, I've been asked before, did you always know you wanted to go into broadcasting? And I didn't, um, full disclosure, I had no idea. And I played, um, after, after graduating from Harvard and playing hockey, excuse me, playing hockey there, I did have the opportunity to continue my playing career. I played in two Olympics and that was my singular focus. And mm-hmm. once I decided to retire, we started a family almost immediately. And then I always just assumed I'd go into coaching, um, mm-hmm. some level of coaching. And I didn't really know what my ideal would be. Um, and so I, I then got the opportunity, got the call sort of out of the blue, actually from NBC Olympics, a woman named Molly Solomon, uh, asked me if I wanted to come in for an audition for the Torino games in Italy, which were in 2006. This was in the spring of 2005. I went in for an audition and I'll, I'll spare you the, the nitty gritty details, but it was, I, I am floored that I got offered the job. They, they said they saw potential, but it, it felt like a total train wreck to me. Uh, I was with Doc Emmerich, the, the oh. great, I mean, just Mike Emmerich's the best mm-hmm. and he was amazing, but we had to, we had to call the gold medal game from Salt Lake, which we had lost and mm. it was horrible. And I never watched the game. I didn't want to watch it again, mm-hmm. especially not while I was auditioning for a job, uh, in a field that I had zero experience in. So, um, I don't know who else they auditioned, but I got the job. And then from there, I just sort of worked my way up, did, um, Oh, I shouldn't say that. Actually, the Olympics was a pretty interesting place to start just because it was my very first time broadcasting and I'm at the Olympics, but then um, got involved doing sort of men's college hockey, uh, doing some men's Olympics and then making my way. I don't know how long ago into the NHL first with NBC and now with ESPN. So it's been a been a really fun, unexpected journey for me. Um, I think your original question was, how do I balance it? Um, how does anybody balance anything? Right. right? I mean, that's <laughs> figure out is what can we do? And my kids are, are pretty resilient and they're, um, they've learned to be very independent. Um, my husband does travel too for work. We just have to, it's a constant dialogue, figuring out who's mm-hmm. traveling where and when, and who's doing what with whom in the in terms of the kids. And now that we have, um, as I said, one in college and the one that's our oldest that's at home is driving. So that certainly helps because <laughs> um, she can help get her siblings from point A to point B. So I think it's just the ongoing, ongoing dilemma, right? Mm-hmm. Balance, mm-hmm. Work-life balance for all of us. Mm-hmm. 
In those early days when you were broadcasting, did you still think that you would go into coaching and in the back of your mind that maybe broadcasting wasn't necessarily going to be it? Or did you feel that, okay, actually I might, I might stick with this. Um, I still always thought coaching was a, was a possibility. And by the way, I did coach all my kids and, and still oh, that's do awesome. you know, youth hockey. So, um, I did get that coaching sort of, um, I don't know, bug or whatever it is. Mm. I got the opportunity to do that. Uh, at one point I was coaching all four of them, I, you know, head coach for some assistant coach for some, and I was starting to travel more. And that was a year that I thought I was, I, I had bit off way more than I could chew. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I dialed it back and I'm actually not officially coaching any of them. I'll jump out and help now and then, um, with them. But, you know, when I first Brought, went to Torino. I was actually seven months pregnant with my daughter, who's a senior in high school right now. And I, I was really nervous. I mean, I, I had no idea what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I went through it. I, and to me, I, I'm a little sad when I think back to it, because I just basically put my head down and wanted to get through it. I wasn't necessarily taking it all in, absorbing it, trying to enjoy it. Uh, and I think there are a lot of parts of it I did enjoy, uh, meeting people, learning. I mean, the learning curve was incredibly steep. We're doing two or three games a day, mm-hmm. right? So your rhythm and your learn. And by the end, it was. I felt like I was in a really good groove. And then I had nothing, right? And that was in February, and I had a baby in this, you know, two months later. Yeah. So then now I had two two children. So I w- I sort of put it on the back burner. And then as time went on, I thought that was really fun, but women's hockey is not on TV a whole lot back then, right? Mm-hmm. It just every once in a while, maybe I'd get a call from somebody to do a one college game, the hockey's championship or something like that. Even the worlds weren't on TV. Mm. Um, so I didn't really think there was a future at that point because women weren't doing men's hockey much or at all. Um, so I always thought coaching might be something I did and trying to, again, it just like a lot of people trying to figure it all out. And then, um, Vancouver came along and I got a call back from NBC. And that was the, when I went to Vancouver, I thought, okay, if I want to do this, I can't just do it every four years for mm-hmm. two, right? Just to dive in. It's a, it's a reps business. You've got to do it over and over, get your rhythm, get your timing, work with the people you're going to work with. So that was when I sort of started talking to, um, you got to Sam flood, who is, who is still the executive producer at uh, NBC Olympics and got on doing some, some college hockey. They didn't have a ton of it, men's hockey, mm-hmm. and then doing a little bit more co- women's college hockey. I think universal was around and I don't even think it exists anymore, but I did some of the worlds. Um, they started uh, doing that or the frozen four. So little things, but still not many games. And then, uh, it was after Sochi that it really became mm-hmm. what I would call a career. Even though I say my broadcasting career started in 2006, it was stop and go for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I do think I always thought about coaching as well, but, um, the broadcasting thing just always intrigued me. And I, I think that it was in Sochi that I felt like I could, I could, I could really, I could try to be good at this, right. Mm-hmm. I could put some effort in and I, my teammates give me a hard time because they're like, well, of course you went into broadcasting. You talk all the time. So you do is you just talk. <laughs> So now I found a job that pays me to talk, but my big challenge is to try to try, almost try to talk less, try to more concisely. So there's always challenges. It's like playing and there's never a perfect game and I'm working with a great team. So I love that aspect of it. The fact that it's not just me and my partner, it's behind the scenes, there's countless people. Um, I love being in the arena. I love being around the guys, being around the sport. Uh, I love that more and more women's hockey is out there too. So I get to uh, watch that, that sport 
grow in the women's side and what they've been able to do on the professional side. And hopefully more and more of those games will be picked up. So I get the opportunity to cover them as well. You touched on working with Doc Emmerich. Uh, he's a friend of mine, a friend of Light the Lamp and Duckstream too. What was his mentor mentorship like to you in those early days and just your relationship with him now? So he was, he called the Olympics that I played in in 98. Um, mm. and then he, he didn't actually call Salt Lake cause he had a, a family emergency and Kenny Albert took over for him. So I, I knew of him obviously. And then working with him, what I was so astounded by is what an amazing, genuine, authentic human being he is. And, and not, I don't, I don't want to say that I assumed he wasn't like that, but all you know, is this, you know, that iconic voice of right. Doc Emmerich, right? I mean, it's just a hockey fans know Doc Emmerich and the voice. It just means it's a big game when you hear Doc Emmerich's voice. Mm-hmm. So then he's so caring about people in his lives and in his life. And, um, when he goes into the room to talk to guys, he always talks about, ask them about their families, ask them about their dogs, ask them about, you know, whatever it may be. Um, before he even gets into the hockey question, um, when he would, at, during the Olympics, he would talk to players, the, the, his questions were so thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Um, and that to me was, and he was so supportive, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, I'm trying to learn this new business and I'm sitting next to this legend, right? <laughs> and by the way, not for nothing, I, my, the other, my other partner during those games was Kenny Albert. Mm. So those are the two guys I started with. And Kenny's a, a close friend of mine. And I, you know, he just wrote a book. I was, I'm so happy for him, but he's a I mean, he's just a legend as well, Mm -hmm. right? And all the sports that he does, obviously Doc's synonymous with hockey and Kenny just is one of those guys. He's like a walking brain. He's this, he's so incredibly smart, Yeah. but the men from both of those guys, the professionalism, the care and concern and the way they talk to everybody in the truck and the way they talk to me and help me along and the advice they gave me, never patronizing, never I mean, even if it was unsolicited, it was just, I I felt like I wanted to be a sponge and absorb everything that they told me. Now, granted, they do play by play, which is a totally different role and different job, but they made my job so easy Mm because they just teed me up for things. They made it. I remember the very first game I did in Torino and a reminder, I'm very pregnant too. So I'm just like, everything is, I I just retired too. So half the, more than half this team are my former teammates. And mm-hmm. I'm sort of in this off balance world of, you know, what am I doing? And I didn't sleep at all the night before, and I can't take anything to, you know, I'm pregnant. So I can't go into the pharmacy in Italy and take something to help me sleep. <laughs> and so I've just been tossing and turning and I get, and I think we have, I, if I remember correctly, it was like Finland, Germany, and don't quote, it was something like that, mm-hmm. not the U S or Canada. And back home, it was maybe two in the morning. So I'm like thinking to myself, nobody's going to be watching this. And right before we go on air, I had this moment where I'm like, the only people that are going to be watching this are my friends, right? People that are so excited for me and supportive. And, but that's almost more nerve wracking. They're like, <laughs> Oh my God, this is people that know me. And I just remember doc, he could tell I was nervous and he just turned to me and he said, let's just talk hockey. He mm-hmm. said, let's talk, let's just talk hockey. And we'll, and he made it. So it's almost like my heart rate came down. My shoulders came down. I was like, okay, I, I, mm-hmm. I know, I know hockey. Doc's the best. I can just look at him, watch the game and forget that I had a headset on. And, um, he was, he was just really good like that. And he, he always, even now, um, my mother suffers from Alzheimer's and periodically, and I want to say probably a couple times a month, I get a, either a text or an email from him with a, a picture of a, a picture or a video of a candle that he lit in his church, uh, for my mom, sending her strength Aww. and sending us strength and love. So he's just, a he's one of those guys where as great as he is, 
behind the microphone. Uh, he's just an even more incredible guy, as you know, but mm-hmm. I mean, for your listeners out there, he's just, uh, he's, he's tremendous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your hockey career too. going to Harvard and then going on to the Olympics and having all of those big moments. Uh, how did you get into hockey? I mean, you grew up in Nantucket, correct? Uh, or you were no. born I mean, in Nantucket. Born on Nantucket. Okay. I lived there, you know, but, and then we moved to Connecticut. So, okay. um, there was no rink on Nantucket at the time. Yeah. There is now built in 2002. <laughs> um, actually my mom was instrumental in having it built. She spearheaded the effort. Um, wow. so I grew up, um, sort of halfway, but doing both. My dad was a charter fisherman on Nantucket. So we spent summers and weekends and you know, holidays out there. So he could run that business. And he was a school teacher in New Canaan, Connecticut at the New Canaan country school, um, which is where my siblings and I went. Um, and so from there I went, I played, um, boys hockey. Cause that's the option that we had mm-hmm. back in the eighties and nineties. And then, um, at an outdoor rink, actually, it's still an outdoor rink. And my brother now lives in that area and his kids play at that rink, which is really fun for us sort of full circle. Um, cause we haven't been back and my parents moved out of Connecticut in the midnight, I don't want to say 95 or something around mm-hmm. then. Um, I went on to boarding school for three years. I spent three years at the Taft school. Um, and then from there went to Harvard, um, played hockey there, took actually took two years off between my junior and senior year to pursue my Olympic dream mm. with no guarantees. Uh, I'd been on team USA, been on the national team, but took the time off an extra time. Most people, you had to take at least one year if you made that traveling team, but I took an extra year because my biggest weaknesses were my physical weaknesses. I needed to spend time in the gym, getting quicker, getting faster, getting stronger. So I did that, Mm -hmm. which was really nerve wracking. And I always say it was, it was probably the scariest decision, hardest decision, but scariest decision I've made. Um, which in hindsight, it's not at all, but at the moment it was very risky to me. Like, why am I leaving this very comfortable? I had always sort of done what I was supposed to do. Um, and I took the time off and I didn't have anyone really to train with. I was going to Mike Boyle's gym around here in Boston and I, you know, sort of crashing with different people. I didn't, my parents were living on Nantucket, which is an Island. So getting back and forth is not the easiest. Um, and then ended up making the, and actually, um, it was San Jose sharks, David Quinn, and that's my next game, but he was our coach at the, he was one of our coaches, our assistant coach. And he was the one who said, you don't want to have any regrets. You don't want to be, if you're just destined to be sitting on the couch at home during Mm -hmm. the 98 Olympics, watching this team compete, you want to make sure you turned over, you'd left no stone unturned. Right. And that was so powerful to me because as scary as it was, I wanted to make sure I had no regrets and it worked out and I made the team and we won the gold that year in 98. And then I kept my eligibility though. So I went back for my final year at Harvard in 98, 99. Um, that was the year we won the national title and I wow. had, I won the Patty. So it was a, it was well worth giving up the accolades, not the accolades, sorry, the money and being on the Wheaties box. I couldn't be in that picture. Our whole team was on the Wheaties box, even though we weren't oh. paid for it. It was all these complicated NCAA things, which have ch- all changed, mm-hmm. but even the reward money we got for winning a medal, I couldn't even put it in escrow. Like there, I gave up, I did give up at the time of a lot of money for me. Interesting. Um, and I, but it was, and in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking I could blow out my knee in the first shift of the game. Right. Mm-hmm. And how, that would, there's nothing I can do about it at that point, but it ended up being an amazing year. And, um, and I'm so, I'm so grateful that I did it. And then I continued to train and compete in 2002, where unfortunately we stumbled and didn't, couldn't quite repeat, but we still got to take a silver medal home. Are you still in contact with your old teammates on that gold medal team or your Harvard teammates? Both actually, oh, um, that's more awesome. so 
my 98 team, we have a giant text chain that's oddly active and stays active. I mean, it goes, we all are doing different things now. Most of us are, you know, a lot of us are parents. Some of us have stayed involved in the sport, whether it's coaching or actually my daughter is going to play for Boston college next year for one of my, two of my teammates who are the coaches there, which is oh, really so full circle. So full circle. So it's, <laughs> it's crazy. It's, it's exciting. Um, and so there's, you know, people coaching people, but people who have children are playing. So we'll run things by each other in terms of, Hey, this happened. And what do you guys think of this? And I think the support network, the things, what we went through was so unique. It was the first time women's hockey was in the Olympics. So we had a team of 20 rookies, which is so unique and will likely never happen again. Um, so the fact that we all went through this learning, this evolution together was um, was really bonding. And so we do stay in touch and they, and I, whenever I'm broadcasting the Olympics, it's very active and they're always trying to get me to say words or say things. It's very, it's quite funny, but they're, um, it's a, it's a real, we just had our 25th anniversary actually for, and oh. we had a reunion this summer. We couldn't do it in February because of, everyone works in hockey. Mm -hmm. Not everyone, a lot of people do. Um, but we all got together in June and uh, actually 18 of 20 of us, which is pretty good. Uh, yeah. everyone, and so we couldn't get two of them, but um, and then Harvard, I definitely keep in touch with a lot of them too. I mean, I lived with a couple of them, uh, but even through the years I've got, there's a, you know, Harvard hockey text chain that mm -hmm. I'm on too, that actually spans not just the time I was there. So there are Harvard hockey people that were not direct teammates of mine, but I still feel like we're all part of the Harvard hockey family. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people out in um, the Pacific division with you guys, your viewers, the Arizona you got Lindsay Fry, who's very mm -hmm. active in the Arizona community, getting women's and women's hockey, girls hockey. Um, she went to Harvard. I, we did not. She's much younger than mm. me, but you know, stayed in touch. She went on and played in the Olympics in um, 2014 in Sochi, and now she's in broadcasting. So she and I have had sort of a similar path, and we've stayed. We've become. I would. Cons she's not a teammate of mine necessarily, but I love the fact that it's sort of like a, a lifetime teammates. Yeah. And just a reminder, too, that we have exciting news. Gettle is now the official HVAC partner of the Anaheim Ducks and the Honda Center. Keeping things cool on the ice and warm at home, Gettle, your trusted HVAC and plumbing partner. Visit Gettle.com slash Ducks for exclusive promotions. G-O-E-T-T-L, we make comfort easy to spell. As far as, you know, your group, your teammates, and you talking about the growth of women's hockey, how proud does it make you to see where it is today and then continuing to still grow? It's so incredible. I love it. And I, and I feel so spoiled that I've had this front row seat to watch it evolve mm -hmm. too. Right. I mean, obviously I got to play and, and I, I will not I cannot reiterate enough that even though we are considered the pioneers, there were so many women that came before us mm -hmm. that didn't get the opportunities that we got to wear, you know, even if they got to wear a team USA Jersey in 1990 at the world championships, um, they, you know, didn't get the opportunity to play in the Olympics, right. Cause they didn't have the Olympics then. And then maybe they aged out or whatever it may be, or people in the seventies and eighties who started hockey at Harvard or Brown or these other schools that had to play at six in the morning and it wasn't a respected sport and they went through so much. Now we did too. 
for mm-hmm. sure. But every, they laid some of the path, right? And then yeah. we had a huge breakthrough by getting to play in the Olympics. And not only that, by actually bringing home the gold medal, we got a ton of eyeballs on the sport because of that. Um, so I think that there's, I'm so proud of that. And then to watch it continue to evolve and be in the broadcast seat. I've, I've covered every Olympics since I played mm-hmm. and Beijing was the only one I wasn't on site because of COVID we were in Stanford, but all the other ones I'm there in the arena watching these players. And, and actually my husband and kids came over to Pyeongchang when oh, the wow. U S won gold. And that was so uh, sort of surprisingly powerful for me to have my children watch team USA win a gold because they knew that I had done it, but I don't think they really grasped what it meant until they saw what those amazing athletes did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that watching the way that the sport's grown, the the depth, because now I'm also, now I say I have a front row seat. It's not just as a former player, as a broadcaster, it's as a mom of players, mm-hmm. two girls, two boys, coaching them at the youth, watching, just seeing how many young girls are playing and how many people are involved, how many high school programs there are just here in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And then you go and you look at college, and it's so different now. Now I'm still, I still think there need to be more college programs, some high profile, you know, there's not a single division one women's team in the state of Michigan. And that boggles my mind. That's funny. You say that I went to Michigan state and I know that we had a club women's team, but yeah, not, not D one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And university of Michigan has a club team and, yep. and there that's, it's wonderful. And I, mm-hmm. I don't mean to yeah. sports. I have so many friends, kids that play club sports. I think it's awesome. I just think it's fascinating that you have such a strong girls youth programs throughout the state of Michigan, right? With mm-hmm. Little Caesar and Honey yeah. Baked and all these different uh, programs. And they don't have a college or Notre Dame mm-hmm. that has such a strong men's program. And they don't have, and they've got great female athletics at Notre Dame, but they don't have women's hockey. So mm-hmm. I'm hopeful that more and more um, university and colleges like that will get on board and get a team. Denver has a great men's team, right? Let's mm-hmm. get a women's team out there, mm-hmm. things like that. So, but with that said, I, I do get a little impatient and I'll get a little greedy because when I look at where we are now from when I played, there's been tremendous growth, right? Mm-hmm. What this, this generation of team USA players have done for our sport by fighting for more, for the equality and equity, um, in terms of financial independence and all those different things that they've done, they've gone on strike, um, they've negotiated different deals. So I'm so proud of what they've been able to do. I'm so thrilled that we now have one league too. Uh, I think that I, both the, um, programs and the entities before were doing a great job, but I felt like that wasn't great for our sport to have that, um, I don't know. It wasn't even conflict, but just have it spread out. So I love where the sport is going. I love that I get to watch, you know, my daughter sort of navigate this whole recruiting thing, which by the way, people look at me like I have all the answers. I'm like, I've never been through it as a parent, A, Mm -hmm. and B, the landscape is is unrecognizable from when I went through the 90s, right? Just based on the sheer numbers of girls and women that play this sport which to me just shows how much it's thriving. Mm -hmm. I have a good story for you. Um, I was actually on a flight back from Boston in the spring and there was a young girl sitting across the aisle from me and she, you could tell she was a young hockey player. And I started talking to her and her dad and she actually is a part of our uh, Lady Ducks program out here in California, but she also flies to Boston to play in the junior Bruins program there too, just playing on both teams cross country. And I thought that was so cool that she was just a part of hockey on both sides of the country. That is amazing. And, and it also, uh, I'm glad they have the resources to do that. And that mm-hmm. it, uh, not, not every family does or right. the time. 
right. Mm -hmm. To be able to do that. And I mean, I've got a game, I've got a sharks game coming up and just flying onto the other to where, you know, out to the other time zone for one game. I'm like, Oh man. I mean, I'm a lot older than the girl you're talking about. So maybe it beats me up a little bit more than than the youngsters, but (laughs) yeah, um, I think she was like 10 years old. (laughs) And that's amazing though Mm -hmm. for her, right. She gets to see Mm -hmm. all across. And by the way, my daughter, um, plays for the East coast wizards and they played the Anaheim lady Ducks several times. So Mm. here, in the tournament last year and then in the nationals last year, which were held in Dallas. So I, and I do get in trouble. I mean, I, I say that a little tongue in cheek, but with um, people that I know at USA hockey, when I talk about non-traditional hockey markets, because apparently we're not even supposed to say that anymore mm. because that doesn't exist. All these places are now considered hockey places because of mm. the right. Because of the Kings, because of the stars or the coyotes or Florida, right. You've got Tampa Bay yeah. and, um, the Panthers down there. So, but, but it's still to me, non-traditional, right. Mm -hmm. I love that it's so, but I, I, so I apologize if that offends anybody. I I don't, I I say it as a compliment. I think it's Mm -hmm. amazing that these places that didn't have, you know, Minnesota, you got the Midwest and you got new England where hockey has been around for a long, long time. And part of it is because of weather, right. You could play out (laughs) outdoors before we had indoor refrigeration, but I think it's so cool that you can go to Southern California and have hockey Mm -hmm. thriving. And like it is right. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's, it's flourishing. Um, and I think that that, and and by the way, both girls and boys. So Mm -hmm. I think that that's a really, I say it as a compliment. Let's talk about your, where you're at now with the NHL on ESPN. I know you were a part of the frozen frenzy recently too, on the, on the call with Mike Monaco, uh, and Leah Hextall, just seeing how ESPN has been able to adapt to the NHL, uh, you know, since they got the rights to the league and help grow it to at the professional level. Um, how has it been for you? I mean, just being with a new partner too. So I, I, and I bounce around a lot, right? So mm-hmm. I, I've only had one game with Mike. Um, I, I mean, this year I've worked yeah. with him before. He's fantastic. Um, he's really, really good. Um, I were, I've worked with John Butchergrass. I've worked with uh, Bob Wachusen. I've had different producers, different, you know, the whole truck, the tape guys, sorry, my dogs are barking <laughs> about okay. something, something behind here. Um, so I, I do think that's when I work, when I used to work for the Islanders, you work with the same crew. So you mm-hmm. get to know your partners, you get to know the people that you're working with on air. You get to know the people that are in your ear. You get to know all these different, the rhythm, everything. So it makes life a little bit more smooth when you're working. And my first experience, by the way, was working with NBC, which was just like ESPN. I'd bounce around, work with different play-by-play partners, work with different producers, um, work with different reporters. Mm-hmm. So you do get used to it. It's, it's a, in some ways, I think it's a good thing because I, I didn't, I sort again, I went in a sort of unorthodox way, starting at the Olympics and then going to NBC yeah. and then regional broadcast uh, in, in, with the Islanders. Um, so um, then I, I do feel like the, the way your original question is, how does yeah how does, like working for ESPN is, I think that with, I always worked, I worked with NBC. That was a certain style mm-hmm. and I got used to the team that I worked with there and they were the only ones that held the NHL package. Then you now have Turner and ESPN on this seven year deal where you're three of it, but they're split. And two very different styles, different from NBC, different from each other. Mm-hmm. I think it's great for the game because it, it, first of all, it challenges us, challenges everybody, whether you're in the, you know, higher ups at these at ESPN or TNT or Turner, and you're trying to figure out how can we stay relevant? How can we try to compete with this? Oh, that was a great show. That's a great broadcast. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, TNT is working with their uh, parameters of trying to 
they've got that amazing basketball show. So they've sort of, I don't want to say they're copying it, but they've recreated it in a way that's yeah. really entertaining, really fun. Um, and then ESPN is a 24 hour sport network, right? I mean, it's it, 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 getting hockey on ESPN and getting uh, clips on sports center, which is watched by so many people. I imagine that Gary Bettman and the league is happy with the way that these two networks have are selling it. Um, so I think that to me, you've got the frozen frenzy. I know that was ESPN's in April. There was one night where we, there were all 32 mm -hmm. teams played and I did work. I was in Dallas for that, but they weren't staggered starts. It wasn't just sort of happened. I think I'm not even sure how that came about. Mm -hmm. So ESPN pushed for this frozen frenzy and Mike and I were on the, uh, and Leah were on the first one that night, which was a six o'clock start, which by the way, was fantastic for me. Maybe not for the P Washington Capitals fans that are like sitting in traffic and couldn't get there, but for, um, but for us, it's great. I love those early starts. And I thought that the staggered starts was so, was such a great idea because I'll be sitting at home sometimes watching games and they all start at seven. They all go to commercial mm -hmm. at the same time. I'll go to break at the same time. And I, you know, nobody's going to watch every game start to finish because 16 games in a five hour span, it's impossible, but at least you can flip around and see what they're doing. Um, and, and I, I feel bad because John Butchcross is a great friend of mine and a colleague. I'm working with him in my next game. The tall he duo. The tall, that's right. The very tall duo. I saw that on Twitter. I was like, oh, I, I relate to, I'm a tall girl myself. <laughs> I mean, he always says, he's, he's like, we have to be the tallest tandem. We have to be. Like, yeah. And then I love also turning around and then, you know, Ray Ferraro is shrimpy. So I love giving him grief for being, being short. Mm -hmm. um, and he's married to Cami Granato, one of my teammates. I've known them for a long time. So when I give him a hard time on Twitter, everybody sometimes come at me. You're so mean. I'm like, oh, he can take it. And he gives it right back to me. <sighs> But I, I did not watch Bucci and Weeksy because I was working. Mm -hmm. And so, but every, I, I, I've never seen Twitter so positive, which is saying a lot. Everybody mm -hmm. seemed to love it. Now, I'm sure there are people that didn't, that maybe I just didn't see or didn't take to Twitter. But um, I think that they did every, by all accounts, they really did a good job of keeping everybody sort of following along. And it's a lot. I mean, yeah. 16 games is like makes my head. I was just focused on one and it was hard enough. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about this Anaheim Ducks team now, if you don't mind talking about our team here in Anaheim. How much of a surprise has it been for you seeing the way that they've started their season? It hasn't been that much of a surprise for me, actually. Um, and I have not covered a game. So full disclosure, I've watched games, but more in, you know, when I when I'm preparing for games, I watch differently than when I'm just a fan. You know, I watch hockey every night. So whatever yeah. game's on. Um, and your games start really late for me. Yes. So when I, I'll, I'll watch some of them back or, you know, clips or whatever, but mm -hmm. I obviously follow the league pretty closely, um, you know, for them to give hand Boston their first regulation loss for them to hand, uh, Vegas there for, you know, it, it's, it's was, that maybe surprised me that they were the, that they were the team to do that. And it didn't even feel like a trap game. Sometimes that can be, you know, like San Jose is going to be a trap game for a lot of teams. They're going to go in there thinking like, okay, we'll rest our big guns or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that's what it was. I honestly think Anaheim, you know, I lived in Boston. So, um, I do, I watched that game and I, I'm not that surprised. I think the coaching change, um, I was a big fan of Dallas Higgins. I think he did a great job. He's really good with us, but I think he knew it was that, you know, you're a coach in this league, you got a shelf life. And if you're the coach, a coach in this league of a rebuild, your shelf life is not long. Um, and I think that, what they've done this year, having Cronin, he's done a really good job. And mm -hmm. I, I love the articles that I read about how he's 
coming at it a little differently, Mm -hmm. right? And the no stick practice, for example, that he had, which by the way, we used to do that stuff. I heard the quotes from some of the players, like it was so weird and a little unorthodox. I'm like, we used to do that stuff. I mean, defensively all the time. So I love that it's coming back a little bit. It almost feels a little old school to me, Um, but getting them to think a little differently. And then, you know, I honestly, more a surprise to me is Zegris and Mm -hmm. how he has not been producing offensively. I, I do understand the sort of fits and starts of a, of any young player. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and people now go out there and like, okay, he's going to try to do something crazy and they're onto him. Or maybe, you know, I, I understand that the coaching staff is harping on him a little bit to be more defensive and mm-hmm. work within their structure work. So there's all those that learning curve, right. I mean, mm-hmm. he's still such a young player. Yeah. Um, but I think like Troy Terry and McTavish and you just go to up and down the lineup. It's, it doesn't surprise me because I did a couple games. I did two of their games last March. I was in Anaheim with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you were between the benches, either that game or one right before or after. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. Right around. I think it was right before. Um, right before. And then I did their game up in Seattle, you know, a week or two later. And you just, you could feel that they had the pieces. It was just the end of a long season that they had been, um, it's, it's tough when you, know, you look at what San Jose is in for this year or mm-hmm. any of these rebuild teams and you just know they're going to lose more than they're going to win. So I think there was that sort of feeling in the room, but you, you, you just knew they had that. And then obviously it's the new pieces that have come in and um, the younger players, I think is, is going to be interesting to see how they do develop. Um, and I know that there was, they were in the lottery. So I'd be curious, how was, was everybody destroyed that like Bedard went to Chicago? Um, you know, I think our fans were surprised a little bit, um, accepting eventually. And then obviously taking Leo Carlson at two did surprise fans once again, but now that they've seen him on the ice and they've seen his play, it seems like people are really excited about him. So I think they're coming more coming to terms with the exciting part of it now that they're seeing it. Yeah. That, and I think that they should be, it's, it's a hard one, right? Because the, the, just the excitement level of Connor Bedard, right. I mean, and it, mm-hmm. it, it was ratcheted up and, but you, you know, Adam Fantilli too, those, those guys, they're, this was a really good draft class. So yeah. I think that that's, I think it's exciting. Uh, and by the way, Dostal too, I mean, rookie of the month in mm-hmm. October, you look at the, at the implosion that's going on in Edmonton so much of the blame is being placed maybe unfairly on the goalies, but if you have a good, goalie tandem, right. Or a good goalie, um, it, it can make such a difference. So, you know, I, I, it's, you can't look at it in a vacuum cause I know that they've got a good defensive structure and all these different things that the coaching staff is implementing. Um, but I think that they've been really fun and I, uh, I do hope I get another game. Cause that also means I get to work with Linda Combs cause she's yeah. out there. Yes. She's, she's cool. awesome. Hey, and Cronin is a Boston guy too. I know, I know. <laughs> and that's great. And, 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 uh, Boston accent, right. He's still, oh, yes. Donald- <laughs> right. I love it. I mean, mm-hmm. keep it. I, I don't really have one, but you know, gotta love the mass mm-hmm. accent. Oh, can I say that? Here? Mass hole, oh yeah. 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 For the, for those West coasters listening, that's a common term in Massachusetts for, yeah, it's a term of endearment. Yes. Yes. <laughs> At least I think if you could pick a team from the East and one from the West that you're keeping your eye on right now, uh, which teams would those be? You mean to succeed and play, or do you mean just interesting? It's interesting. Yeah. We'll go interesting route. Um, so Dallas is one from the West that I'm, I'm definitely keeping an eye on because I, I just think they are, they're going to be sneaky. Good. Uh, I mean, I think 
in the, I think I did pick Vegas to win the, the West. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't really remember. We have to fill out. I think I picked Vegas and, and they've been really good. So mm-hmm. obviously, I, I mean, I, I did opening night. They're, they're impressive up and down the lineup, but I just think you got Miro Haskin and you've got some of these players down in, um, in Dallas that I think they're going to be sneaky good. Uh, and I also think, We've already talked about the Ducks, so I'm taking them off the table. Um, so I don't want to insult any of your Ducks fans, but I think the Kings are really interesting too. And they're, you know, I think they're undefeated on the road. Maybe they were at least at one point. Um, so I think those two teams are just are interesting um, in terms of what they can do. Obviously, the implosion that's going on up in Edmonton is, I think, has everybody yeah. just curious and mm-hmm. just unsure of what's going on. Um so, you know, and I think some of the team, it, I mean, you picked one, you said pick one because I was going to keep going. You can, you can give me multiple ones if you I want. I mean, they're all, it's just, Vancouver's been a surprise to me, for sure been a surprise to me. I I don't think it's sustainable. I do think Quinn Hughes is really good. Mm-hmm. I think um, Patterson's having a great season. Um, I don't think that's sustainable, but I do think that, that to me, Dallas and LA are the two teams that I, I think that they could, they could just steadily press all season long from the West. Um, on the East, Carolina was actually my preseason cup pick. Mm. Not looking so good now, but we're only a month into the season. Right. Um, they, you know, they've got some goalie issues. I, you know, I live in Boston, so it's hard not to just be intrigued with what Boston's been able to do mm-hmm. based on the predictions before the season without Bergeron, without Krejci, two, their top two centers. Uh, and then they, Charlie McVoy is just finishing up his four game suspension. Um, and by the way, Hampus Lindholm, who came from you from the ducks mm-hmm. was so good when McAvoy was injured last year. And that, even though when he came over, everybody was like, Oh yeah, he's great. He's great. McAvoy went injured last year and people in Boston were blown away by how good that guy is. Mm-hmm. And I think they're going to lean on him more and more now. Um, so I think that they're certainly an interesting one. I, um, I do think that I don't get caught up in the Toronto stuff because I just think it's like, uh, it's for everyone uh, else. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I, I, I mean, I, I, when I cover their games, I have to, and I Mm -hmm. had, uh, Toronto, who did I have Toronto, Washington, I think the frozen frenzy that night. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that they're to me, they're, they're so top heavy, but I just like, it, it's like, a it's takes, it sucks so much energy out of the league because people in Toronto that their identity is the Leafs. So mm-hmm. I don't, to me, I'm like, I just wait and see what's going to happen in the playoffs because I think they're going to make the playoffs and it's just, there's going to be ups and downs throughout the way. And when there's downs, they freak out mm-hmm. in, in Toronto land, which is, I guess expected. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I would, I, I don't know. I think that the, the devils have been really, really, really fun. I think that Hughes injury is, you know, he's started on fire. Um, by the way, when we were talking about women's hockey and the evolution, I meant to mention, and I had it in my head, the people that came before us, Ellen Hughes is one of them. I hope people know that. I mean, the, the three Hughes brothers, obviously their dad is involved. They played at Providence college, but Ellen Weinberg is her main name. And she did the color commentary in Nagano for the games that I played in with mm-hmm. Doc Emmerich. Um, so she has a broadcasting background, but, um, she was, she played on the 92 team USA team for the worlds and played at UNH and she was a phenomenal player in her own right. Um, so it's really fun to have that, you know, that sort of connection. Yeah. Um, but I do think that, the, 
Um, so I, so I do think in the East, New Jersey is going to be, um, is, is interesting to watch and the Bruins just to see how they continue, mm-hmm. uh, to, to keep going. And they've got some of these new kids like Patra and Lori, 19 and 22 year old, um, respectively that have been really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's always a fun thing to watch just to see how do they do in an 82 game season. And you guys are going to do the same thing when you got Leo Carlson, right? Like mm-hmm. how is he, he's been awesome. But how is he going to, the schedule is a beating, you know, you never get that time where you can just like maybe all-star break, but you get that time to like take a breath and just exhale. Cause it's game game. Even if you have two games off, usually there's a travel time or whatever. So mm-hmm. I think that that's a, um, that's a real adjustment for some of these teenagers. When is uh, your next game? I will be in San Jose um, for next week, next Tuesday for the San Jose, Florida game. Okay. Um, which will be interesting. I'll be with John Butchergrass. Um, so that is my next game. And then I don't know, I go week to week. Mm-hmm. I just know that <laughs> that'll be probably the next game after the ducks play them on Sunday. Cause we are hosting the sharks, uh, on Sunday for our first legacy night, where we're celebrating the first segment of our ducks history, Paul Korea era, that, that era. That's exciting. So what, uh, what time is that game? That is a 5 PM Pacific time game. So oh, okay. a little That's earlier for you. For that. That's good for me. I can do that. And <laughs> yeah, I'll, have to watch that. I'll be leaving the next day to go to San Jose. So I'd be watching that game anyway. And that's, you know, part of my prep, but, mm-hmm. um, that'll be, it is going to be interesting by the way, to see what San Jose, I mean, I, it's a, that's tough. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been Mike Greer and David Quinn, two Boston guys, but New England, Quinny's the Rhode Island guy, but, um, so they will be interested to see what they do, but uh, you know, you have a team like Anaheim who's come on strong, by the way, Anaheim started strong last year too. So when you talk about sustaining things, are they going to be able to sustain it? Um, but for them, any of these teams now to go in, like, I I don't know how Torts and Philly feels, but for them to go in and be the first win for San Jose, that's sort of a, Ooh, that's, you don't want to be one of those, one of those teams, right? Yeah. They're coming up back to back 10 goal against games. (laughs) Yeah. I have to think that uh, the ducks and ducks fans might be happy that the sharks already got a win under their belt and aren't still searching for that. (laughs) That the only thing for me as a broadcaster would be fun for us. If we could have the potentially their first win of the season, because that Mm. sort of adds the intrigue to it. Right. Mm -hmm. But, but yeah, I do think that it gives them a chance, everybody, right. To just not have that pressure. I don't want to be that team Mm -hmm. that, sort of infamous. Um, but I also think for the, for the San Jose sharks, it's like, okay, let's let them, um, you know, it, it is, it's a tough one. You want them to succeed. You want them rebuilds are one thing, but this feels like that's a, that's a tough one for Mm -hmm. Greer and see what he's going to be able to do. And, um, I don't, I don't, can't imagine they're going to be trading any of their top picks to try to build for the, for the near, what can they do with the talent that they have right now? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've got, they do have some guys coming up. Will Smith's having a great start. He's a freshman at Boston college. Um, and he's going to, he was there. I think it was the number four pick this past draft. So he, um, he's going to definitely be a good one for them whenever he decides to go pro. Well, AJ, I hope that we get a game with you this season. Uh, maybe it, whether it's in Anaheim or uh, somewhere else around the country, uh, that, that'd be awesome for Ducks fans to be able to hear you on the broadcast. You know, if they're, they haven't tuned in to see you in studio too. Well, thank you. I <laughs> hope so. And actually, I hope it's in Anaheim. Cause I always think it's so fun to visit Anaheim, especially when mm-hmm. it's, you know, cold and snowy here in the Northeast. It's always nice to go to Southern Cali. So, uh, either way, I hope we, we cross paths and, um, and I'm looking forward to watching you guys the next couple of games too. Thank you so much for joining us today. And, uh, hopefully, like I said, we'll see you soon. All right. Thanks for having me. 
Really awesome to hear from AJ in this week's show. She's someone that I'd been hoping to get on Light the Lamp, and I was happy that she was able to fit us in her busy schedule. Thank you all for listening to Light the Lamp. I am Alexis Downey. Come back again next time for more Hockey Talk on Duck Stream presented by Gettle. And get your home cozy with Gettle Rejuvenation for just $129. We'll prep your HVAC for the season so you're ready to cheer on our ducks. Call 866-671-9822 or visit gettle.com slash ducks. G-O-E-T-T-L, we make comfort easy to spell. This is an Anaheim Ducks original production on Duck Stream.